Greetings, Earthlings, and welcome to your weekly dose of newsy infotainment. It's Let's Be Treasonable, coming to you from various places in and around Los Angeles, including Treasonable Studios, with your cognitive dissidents on the panel this week. She is a comedian, world traveler, economist, and the host and creator of the Villains of History podcast. Always a pleasure to welcome Kat Alvarado. Welcome. Hello. Thank you for having me. Thank Hi. you. Thank you for being here. You know, it's funny. I've been I've been thinking, and we'll talk more about this later, but are you waiting for the whole Matt Gates thing to sort of revolve uh, before you do a Villains of History episode on him? Look, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Here's the thing about him sleeping with underage women i feel like or underage also known girls, as girls yeah i always say girls because they're girls they're not women i don't always villainous enough for my podcast <laughs> i think i think in time I guess it could be. yeah you know they're time? he's he's i think uh the process of discovery as as the the you know investigation continues as it goes to trial my guess is there's going to be a lot more that comes out in addition to having sex with girls underage that will merit uh, an hour i'm guessing allegedly okay well i'm excited to see what happens because <laughs> i i don't doubt that this is the tip of the iceberg there's probably a lot more it always is the tip of the iceberg with these guys. Yeah, tends to be. Well, we'll talk more about Matt Gates and plenty more uh, later on in the hour. But first, want to introduce our other panelist. As always, we are joined by comedian, scholar, and the black voice of reason. Always a pleasure to introduce Mr. Time and Ship. Welcome, sir. Thank you, Dave. Uh, power to the people. Good to be here with you and Kat. This great Saturday, as we get ready to see if the uh, Gates man can uh, go on down the toilet with the rest of us. <laughs> well, let's hope he leads the leads the way. Just takes them all down with him. And I honestly, he doesn't strike me as the kind of guy who's going to go down alone. And we've seen this already uh, in you know in the pre-trial phase of his PR junket where he's trying to drag uh, Tucker Carlson in. And uh, yeah, just just strikes me as the kind of guy who is going to bust his arms, pointing fingers at everybody else. And uh, he's, he's already pretty short on friends, as as we've been reading in, in news coverage. So what does he have to lose? Absolutely nothing. Me, I'm Dr. David Robinson. I am your Vin Scully for the impending apocalypse. And in addition to Matt Gates, we have plenty to talk about this week. But first, a brief message from our sponsors at Community Spread. It's morning in America, and people are waking up to the great taste of Community Spread. I kind of want toast, but it can be so boring. Butter, margarine, jams, jellies. I want something new. Here, try this. It's community spread. But you've already taken a bite out of it. What are you, smooth down there? Try it. Whoa, that's sick. But what's in it? What's in community spread? We're still waiting for the CDC to let us know. Well, it's deli- Wait, did he just say the CDC? That's right. Community spread. Available at... Actually, I don't know where I got it. No, but seriously, back to that CDC thing. And it's not just for toast. Pancakes, waffles, sandwiches... 
Why, there's no telling where it'll show up. Community Spread isn't recommended for older adults or people with chronic health conditions. Stop using Community Spread if you've experienced difficulty breathing or shortness of breath, persistent pain or pressure in the chest, bluish lips or face, new confusion, or an inability to arouse. Community Spread. From the folks who brought you, I can't believe I'm not better. It's the toast-topping sensation that's sweeping the nation, and there's nothing you can do about it. And new from the makers of Community Spread, it's Unmitigated Spread Variants. If you barely acknowledged Community Spread before, try Unmitigated Spread Variants. The Great Britain variant goes great with period dramas and tea with milk in it. The California variant made with avocados from Mexico. And the Brazilian variant that goes down so smooth, it's like there's nothing there. Unmitigated Spread Variants. It's time for another peak. Speaking of time, it is the 15th Saturday of the new year, and being the 10th of April, that also means it's National Cinnamon Crescent Day, National Farm Animals Day, and National Siblings Day, making this the perfect day to sit down and enjoy some cinnamon crescents with your siblings and your farm animals. For some folks in certain regions of the country, very likely one and the same. So enjoy. Kick back, be social, and uh, whether you consider the farm animals part of the family, literally or just figuratively, give them a cinnamon crescent. Why the hell not? We are 80 days into the Biden administration, and as of today, we've got. Timpany. 560,531 Americans dead from the coronavirus and 31,107,200 confirmed cases with about 114.4 million people having gotten at least one dose of the vaccine with about 68.2 million of them fully vaccinated. And I know uh, Timon and myself are amongst the fully inoculated. As for fully vaccinated, I've still got a few days to wait on that. You know, it's two weeks after your second shot or your only shot if you got the Johnson & Johnson. Kat, uh, what's, what's your status? What's going on with you? I'm half vaccinated, and I get my second vaccine on Wednesday. So right. I'm All very right. excited about there that. There you go. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, which one uh, Which one did you get? The Dolly Parton, <laughs> a.k.a. Moderna. <laughs> very nice. Was that... They, just, they need to rebrand it just outright. It's the Dolly Parton vaccine now. <laughs> I, I think it's a, it's a great idea. Yeah, for those who don't know, she uh, gave like a million dollars to Moderna to help develop the vaccine. And I, I don't know if you, you caught the video when she got her shot, but uh, she, she did a little parody of uh, one of her own songs. Vaccine, 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 vaccine. So... Uh, yeah, go Dolly. Was that now I remember like back before, uh, the vaccines were actually available, Kat, you had been, uh, talking about a preference as to who was doing more research and, and what was going on. So I, I know it, it can be difficult to choose, but when you're, when you're signing up, uh, on, on the website, it tells you what vaccines are being offered at, at different places. So I'm, I'm just wondering, did you like, were you like, okay, 
we're doing Moderna or was it just, I'm getting a shot and oh, happens to be Moderna. Okay. (laughs) That one. So honestly, I think we have no business as non-medical professionals trying to figure out which one is better than the other because they're all about the same. And I just wanted a vaccine at that point, even though actually in my mind, I was like, I don't want an mRNA vaccine. Turns out they were all both Pfizer and Moderna, where they were both mRNA vaccines. So I was like, oh, well, but then it turns out I've been, I've been talking to a doctor lately who I met on a dating app and, um, (laughs) (laughs) and he was telling me that mRNA is fine. (laughs) I'm not going to, you know, grow a third arm or something from getting an mRNA vaccine that messes with my DNA. Everything is going to be okay. And actually, this mRNA stuff they've been talking about for over a decade. They're like, yeah, one day we're going to have mRNA vaccines. But we were like, right now, a decade away from it. But because of COVID virus, they like sped it up. But um, it's something that has been like, ooh, wow, we have the potential to do this really cool thing. Now they have it, and it could actually make the flu vaccine more effective. They're saying. When I heard yeah. it, uh, it could be used to lead to a potential cancer vaccine, which would be kind of amazing. Uh, and especially but then since, how are we going to die? <laughs> oh, we're Americans. We'll we'll still manage to figure out ways yeah, to you, die. You know, Dave. They, it's um, we really hate. It. I mean, I, I, I'm with you, Kat. I really hated that they kind of made the, you know, the, which one did you get? Did you get this one? And it's like Dr. Faust, you told them. It will keep your ass out of the hospital and keep you from dying. That's what's important. Just trying to stop the dying. Isn't the dying enough? Well, it's got a little, <laughs> it sounds a little better. No, no, dying. Think of dying and think of staying <laughs> out of a hospital. That's what they're supposed to do. And he has said, even if you had 70%, which is what some of the flu shots do. I mean, you know, it, it keeps you from going into the hospital. My sister, hopefully, she gets out of the hospital today. She had the, she had COVID. Oh, jeez. Oh, wow. Scared, yeah, scared the shit out of me. I'm sitting there. Who who has COVID? You know, and I and they said she had went home. I called her, and she didn't. She she hadn't went home, and oh, she man. was, you know, <laughs> and so she was talking. And like the next couple of days, she sounded better. And they said she may go home either Thursday or Friday. And she didn't. But I knew she was better when she found out that I'd given my sister Yvette her number. She said, oh, and by the way, fucker, I know you gave uh, uh, my goddamn number and everything. Thanks a lot, Tommy. I was like, but she cared about it. But then I said, now I know you're doing all right. <laughs> their same old self again. I was like, ooh. They were just worried about her oxygen. They were just saying, if we can get her oxygen up, and she just wants to get back to her kids. Yeah. Well, happy, so. happy siblings day. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's what you do. Yeah. Well, Kat, to, to answer your original question, how are we going to die if, if we eliminate cancer? Fortunately for, for America, we, we still have guns and that, that however, maybe, well, it's, it's certainly not going to be a thing of the past, but president Biden this week announced some measures that he is proposing to at least limit the number of gun deaths, uh, that we have. And I, I think it, you know, it's kind of fascinating 
I think a, a big problem for the Democrats, and we've talked about this a lot on the show before, is messaging. And the, the fact that a lot of what Democrats want to do don't conveniently fit into a five-second soundbite. So you, you take a, a nuanced opinion on limiting the availability of guns to people who shouldn't have them. And because of the nuance, there's, there's a lot going on there. And, and there's a lot of little parts that will add up to making things safer, much harder to explain than they're going to take away all your guns, you know, which while false, it, rings true to a lot of these folks who I had mentioned earlier for whom uh, Siblings Day and Farm Animal Day, same thing. Valentine's Day? Well, Valentine's yeah. Day. Did I say Valentine's Day? It's... No. <laughs> I, I just felt like that goes in the three. They're the same thing for some people. Yeah. It's... But, you know, uh, Dave, that's like defund the police. Exactly. That word, that, that word I mean, I, I got into a debate with someone about that and they said, look, I said, that's the problem with Democrats. You, 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 because the Republicans are sitting waiting, you know, to 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 pounce. So you got to when when Black Lives Matter came out with this defund the police thing, you know, it it's like no wrong word. Don't do that. Yeah, find something way to to say this. I understand what you want to do. Now you're going to spend a majority of your time trying to explain it, and you got all these, you know, deplorables or yahoos. Who are saying, see, <laughs> look what they're going to do. They're going to take this and they're going to take that away. And, you know, you know, no, we just want people to quit killing, quit shooting our children. You know, like if I, if I call you, I call the police and say, hey, my son is schizophrenic. You know, like the black guy that was out in New York, he's butt naked. He's running around. He didn't have a gun. You shot him. There's yeah. a Hispanic kid who they just shot who's, uh, what, 25? They said his sister said he had the mind of a sixth grader and they shot him in the back. He didn't know what was going on. So they, they got to, you know, that's what they were trying to say. But, you know, that's um, that 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 word defund. You know, just the wrong word. Yeah, it is. Uh, it, it is a problem of messaging. And you look at stuff like Biden's proposed infrastructure bill and. You know, when you when you pitch it to Republicans, even the moderate Republicans, oh, it's it's Democrats trying to take over things and blah blah blah, and they hate it. But when you explain the the bits and the intricacies, like, hey, how about more money for for taking care of seniors? How about more money for for people who provide that care? How about you know all these little things? And they love it. It's it's very similar to what we saw under Obama with all these people who hated Obamacare, quote unquote, but they sure as hell loved every aspect of the Affordable Care Act. Mm -hmm. Oh, 100%. I think one thing that's that's funny to me, too, is that the Republicans have taken this angle. They'll go, oh, well, in this bill, there's a ton of money that's for liberal big cities. I'm like, yeah, because it goes to where people are and there are more people there. So, yes, we will get more money on a per capita basis, though. We'll probably get about the same money. So 
fuck you. But it's easier for them to just to just say that. Oh, like, it's just a well, bill with a bunch of liberal pork bellies. Wait a minute. Well, Providing to that. those as they need from well, those as they can, that that sounds like socialism. <laughs> but they forgot about Kat. You know, they forgot that those liberal cities also prop up other states like New York props up mm-hmm. Kentucky. So, you yep. know, a lot of those states wouldn't even make it if it wasn't for a lot of those liberal states who give to these, you know, poor redneck states who keep voting not for their, they don't even vote for their interests. They're voting against their interests. But there's enough propaganda out there that those people in those states think that they are funding our states. They've been told that they are funding our welfare when we are funding their food stamps. Yeah. Yeah. But that, those, that's why, that's why Mitch McConnell's, but you know, he won't, he can't lose. He should have been gone years ago. The wife isn't coming back because, you know, they're thinking about indicting her. They've been watching her. So she's another one that's up for indictment. Oh, that's such, such a shame. What? Huh? Such a, such a shame. It'd be, it'd be so sad to see Mitch McConnell single and ready to mingle. <laughs> yeah. Cause, cause you know, if Elaine Chow does go to jail, which I, you know, I personally don't think it's that likely, but you know, the second she's behind bars, those divorce papers, well, tough to say actually, because she, she's the one who comes from money. So, you know, would, would Mitch McConnell ditch her, uh, once she goes to jail or would he do whatever he can to preserve his ability to get his grubby little bruised hands on the Chow family the fortune. It reminds yeah, you. Those, it remind, what's the guy that was in uh, uh, Young Frankenstein with the fucked up hand? Oh, <laughs> uh, Kenneth that? Mars, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when his hand, remember when Mitch's hand turned black, you went, what the fuck? What has he got? Wouldn't talk about it. His whole hand was damn near uh, black. Yeah, and he had bruising on his face. Back. It. I. I honestly thought he was getting beaten by the wife, uh, but yeah. was just too ashamed to talk about it. But Mitch is. Uh, he's keeping himself in the news this week, talking about how corporations, who for years he's been fighting, you know, for their money to count as more than regular Americans free speech. Now he doesn't want them to exercise actual speech. Just keep giving us money. And it's, it's, I mean, it's one of those things. It's hard to see how this isn't going to come back and bite him in the ass, but knowing America, knowing the confluence of politics and business, this will be fine. This is just like a little hiccup in their relationship. This is know. this is Ross and Rachel being on a break. I don't know. I'm excited about it because here's the thing: corporate social responsibility has grown as a trend, and companies they are starting to discover that if they want to attract the best and brightest talent, the best and brightest talent tends to be liberal. So they want people to work for them who are good, then they need to show those values as a company, especially as they try to hire Gen Z and continue to move millennials up the ladder. So the, and, and not to mention as millennials and Gen Z become management in the years coming, you're going to see the values of these companies change. And guys like Mitch McConnell are going to be 
pissed off because it's no longer going to be exclusively their uh, their country club boys club at the top of corporations. Well, I, 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 I would also add to that that they need to know those businesses, the majority of the people buying are black and brown. Okay, they're buying those products, and you're all, and they're also moving up the ladder. And that you cannot, okay. I mean, I don't know how many billions of dollars that black people and Hispanic people bring into a lot of those corporations and those areas. You can't do anything without them now. So they're getting upset because of you know they're calling it a culture war or those corporations. They get it. We're well, going to start investing. And black and brown businesses and bringing them in. We need them. They're a part of this. They're putting us on the map. I can't tell you how many brands these days are appealing to consumers with things like, hey, we're a sustainable company. Hey, we we pay fair wages. We're fair trade. It used to just be like Starbucks and some like it was almost a punchline before right. we're like, oh, I eat fair trade quinoa. Well, now everybody's doing this thing and it's pretty amazing to see how the world is changing. And uh, I'm I'm looking forward to more of it. And, and like you said, it is going to favor a lot of black and brown communities because they're consumers too. And <laughs> they're looking at the brands just like anyone would look at the brands right. and say, oh, wow, my mom has surprised me actually in recent years because I don't know I always thought for some reason that she didn't like care that much she was just a bargain hunter but she really will go oh I this company is more sustainable I'm gonna buy this I'm gonna buy that so to assume that black and brown customers are not thinking about those things would be incorrect they absolutely are well and I I think things are trending in the right direction but after January 6th when a lot of corporations were pressured into announcing and I, you know, rightfully so pressured sounds like, you know, negative connotations, but for a lot of companies, pressure is what is needed to get them to do the right thing. And a lot of, a lot of companies were pressured into no longer giving money to politicians who supported the false claims of Donald Trump and the Republicans that the election was stolen and announced that they weren't going to give money to people in Congress or other office holders that had supported not legitimizing the vote for Biden. And this week we saw JetBlue give a thousand dollar contribution to a representative from New York who had voted against certifying the election in favor of Joe Biden. So I think we're starting to see some of the companies testing the water and it's really easy, you know, to, to say, I'm going to boycott something that I don't use. And with the exception of, you know, spring break and, and, you know, travel to, to see dying family members, not a lot of people flying these days, at least not as many as there were pre COVID. But I can tell you right now, aside from the fact that I've got money in American airlines from, from a ticket that I had bought for a trip that I wasn't able to take, I'm, you know, I'm not spending any money on, on airplane tickets anytime soon, but when I do, it will not be with JetBlue. Well, Amazon is also for the infrastructure. Be uh, Jeff Bezos said that he, he had no problem paying the higher taxes that they want. 
He says it's great. See, I find that hard to believe, though, being that they they, they, they already I, pay no taxes. No, 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 no. I, I believe you. <laughs> it's, it's just when someone who pays no taxes <laughs> says, oh, yeah, I would I would totally, you know, it's like when when someone with IBS at a group dinner says they're going to pick up the check. It's like, how are you going to do that when you keep disappearing to the bathroom every five minutes, let alone when they bring the check? It's just it's kind of one of those things like, yeah, I'll I'll believe it when I see it. And, you know, as we saw this week with the the vote to unionize in Alabama, Bezos and and Amazon are are no friend of the working man and they are they are no friend of doing what is right and being a a responsible citizen. Uh, I I know I'm reaching into the bag of oldies here, but you do you guys remember the movie Mr. Mom? Uh, brilliant movie. Uh, Terry Gar, Michael Keaton, hilarious. Kenny, the Whoopi, the whole thing. But one thing that really sticks out is Terry Gar worked in advertising, and one of their major clients was this tuna company, and they had to raise their prices. And uh, didn't know how they were going to, you know, use that while appealing to their consumer base. And basically, she came up with a campaign to say, hey, you know, it costs a little extra money to keep dolphins out of your tuna. You don't want to eat dolphins. No, of course you don't. So spend an extra five cents on our tuna and you'll be saving the dolphins. And it worked. And there used to be like a mentality in America that we saw, you know, if you look back at the the government propaganda that was produced during World War II, where people were rationing gasoline and metal and, and rubber and all this stuff was supposed to be going to the war effort. And the the government was able to convince people that it is it is patriotic to sacrifice and to give and you know, nowadays, especially with, you know, since the passage of, of Citizens United and the Supreme Court saying, yeah, corporate money is is free speech. And I, I would even argue freer speech than actual speech in a country where that is the mentality, where you can't get people to give the bare minimum, let alone sacrifice. And in this case, I'm saying people using the Citizens United translation. So I mean, corporations, but you know, for, for Bezos to say, yeah, we, we support the infrastructure. We're, we're going to pay for it. I firmly believes that he supports the, the infrastructure because, you know, I, I, I couldn't tell you how many Amazon vans I see in my neighborhood every day. And those vans travel on roads and, you know, presumably cross bridges and things that would be paid for in Biden's infrastructure yeah, I, bill. I think, Dave, what's, what's really amazing is that when they interviewed the people who were for the unions and the people who weren't, so they had these two black, they had these two, they were two black couples, you know, and you had the one, Amazon is the greatest and they're doing this and they're giving you extra. And if you don't want to stand on your feet for 10 hours, I mean, at least you know on up front that you're going to have to stand for 10 hours. And when she said that, I was like, so you don't even have a problem with that. 
we fought to, to change the child labor laws. We fought to get you to where you could be able to, to work and get a break. Amazon's not even giving breaks. The other people are saying, look, dude, we don't get breaks. You're standing on your feet for 10 straight hours. You're not, you're, you'd be lucky to go be able to go and use the bathroom. So you had these two groups. And I was like, what are you seeing? But then again, the, the, the ones who were not for a union almost sounded like Trump supporters. I mean, they're drinking the Kool-Aid. And it's like, you don't just, understand. Just that not drinking it on company for. time. What's that? <laughs> they're just not drinking it on company time. <laughs> oh, yeah. But they're yeah, all the way. All the way. They were into just, you know, I even I sat with a Cuban guy at my at my lounge, and he told me that he wasn't getting the, getting the, uh, the vaccine. I said, and he's a Trump supporter. He told me. Oh, no, no, ship. They'll never get me. They'll never get me. I said, this is your boy, Donald. The guy you, you stood up and you would run down the street and, you know, and gasoline draws for. You were doing all this cheering and you won't get a, a shot? No, no, no. Donald got the shot. Well... You know, that's the media, you know. What does the media have to do with the man? I mean, he did hide with his punk ass and go and get the damn shot. You know, they want to be like everybody else, but yeah, he won't get it. And there's a lot more like him, too. It's it's interesting, kind of going back to, to the corporate discussion, which is one of the things that leads me to, I, I wouldn't say believe, but deeply hope that some some of these corporate moves are going to succeed. You know, after the Coca-Cola company announced their opposition to Georgia's new laws to to limit voting and basically to disenfranchise black people, a lot of Republicans announced they were boycotting Coke. And sadly, uh, this this wasn't like when they decided to boycott Nike because of Colin Kaepernick which, you know, was ridiculous, but it was such a wonderful thing to be able to see video online of conservatives lighting their Nikes on fire while they were wearing them. Uh, And I was kind of hoping they would do similar things with Coca-Cola, like, I'm going to burn down this glass of Coke before I drink it, Uh, which really, really would have been entertaining. But I guess it was last week, Trump had a photo op he some poor brain damaged little boy who I later found out was uh, Stephen Miller uh, went to visit him <laughs> in his office and you could see the bottle of Coke hidden behind his phone. So, you know, Republican boycotts generally amount to either still patronizing the companies that they're allegedly boycotting, but doing it under the table or destroying things that they have already paid for. <laughs> it's, it's so ridiculous. And honestly, if there's one thing we know about the right is that they're all talk about anything, about anything. You know, they're like, I'm the most Christian. I love Jesus more than anybody. And then they're the ones who are cheating on their wife, secretly gay, touching little kids. Like, <laughs> they're like, not like the Lord it. intended. <laughs> huh? Like the Lord intended them to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're not the most. Uh, they're they're not the most honest people. No, 
I, I would, I would definitely agree with that. And, uh, you know, I mean, granted my, my knowledge of, of religion is fairly limited, but something about, uh, the phrase thou shalt not lie. I, I, I think that that's somewhere in that book that they keep quoting and it's, it's supposed to be one of the big 10. Uh, so very, very interesting to, to see them do that. But, you know, they, they parse the definition of, of lying, you know, they it's, well, these, these things that are allegedly sins, it's, it's a very fine line. You know, there's, there's so many things that go into that. I'm not lying. I'm just misleading. And you see that with a lot of the Republican talking points, particularly this week. And, you know, we've been talking a little bit about infrastructure and one of the big Republican talking points has been that, you know, only 5% of, of Biden's proposed bill goes towards infrastructure. And that is true if and only if you very narrowly define infrastructure as existing roads and bridges. But as Biden himself said this week, it's like, no, there's, you know, there's airports, there's trains, there's the internet, high-speed internet. There are all these other things that count as infrastructure that this bill is going to pay for, to help develop, to make them better, to bring America into the 21st century. I think rural America, definitely. I mean, that is one. When they said, when he said that, because during the pandemic of so many people suffered through that, you know, I mean, out in rural America, they didn't have, some have internet. Look at the Indian reservations, all that out there. They, I mean, that's, I mean, they just got water. Some of the Indian reservations are just now getting actual running water. They had to put them on. I mean, they had to put that stuff in. I mean, if they didn't, I mean, it, it's. Um, I mean, they could actually go to the faucet and pour water. I mean, I mean, and get water to come out. So it's. I mean, so I think that that's what we're talking about. That's what when people talk about America and what happened, like doing how we got to be an advanced country. It was, it was bills like that. That you know, that's how they built the suburbs or they built projects for people to move into when they were, you know, where the, you know, you're trying to make it. That's how a lot of those things got started. It was, it was through the government. Yeah. It's kind of one of those things where if the government is allowed to do the job, right. they actually have, you know, the, dare I say, infrastructure in place to make things happen. But what we've, gotten used to seeing in Congress is that something great is proposed and then it's watered down and all the good parts are picked out until it's something that is palatable to everyone. It's kind of like Jay Leno's comedy, uh, which is, <laughs> is, 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 it's a term you don't hear that often, but Jay Leno, uh, back when he was doing the tonight show, you know, and he's he's still, well, I, I guess maybe not, uh, you know, since pandemic lockdowns and stuff, but he would still perform on the regular at the uh, Comedy and Magic Club in Hermosa. And, yep. he, you know, he would do some touring. And Jay Leno's actual stand-up act had some really good stuff in there as opposed to his Tonight Show monologues which were so watered down and all the, the sharp edges were, were sanded down 
to the point where it was barely recognizable as comedy, but it was pleasing to the largest amount of people. So folks accepted that. And I think that's largely what we tend to see, you know, with, with government in and regulations. And when we do have pitches for regulations that could actually affect positive change, by the time they get through committees and everything, they're largely toothless. And then the Republicans can use that as a defense for their statement that the government doesn't help people. It's like, well, it would if you let it. Right. Mm-hmm. That That's like their whole strategy is, oh, the other side is going to do something good. Let me push back on it until it's shitty but still let it pass. And then I'm going to point at it and be like, see, it was shitty. Wasn't it? Yeah. That's it's like they want, I mean, I really have a problem with people wanting you to fail. I mean, like when they got, when Mitch McConnell told Obama, I'm going to make you a one term president. I want you to fail. I don't want you to do well. That doesn't help the country. It was, we didn't want that. I mean, we didn't like Donald Trump. But we didn't want him to fail. You know, we wanted him to do it. Donald Trump could have saved and made a second term if he would have did what the scientists told him to do. He got, I mean, he's the one that got those different companies to get on their ass to put together a vaccine. But once the vaccine was done, he had no plan. He had no health care plan. I mean, he just got exposed. He didn't give a shit. And what happened? He's gone. And, you know, that's where they, they get into we People want the government to work. They want to be able to help. That's why Biden told them, yes, I'm going to give you $1,400. Give yeah. them the money because the people will put the money back into the economy. They're going to spend it. That's what they want us to do. Spend the money. Well, they, they need to, but we're going to, we're going to shift here a little bit because while we're on the topic of, of government not doing what it's supposed to do. I, I, I don't know if you guys watched the second week of, of the Chauvin trial, but something I, I think is interesting and it, you know, more towards the end of the week when, you know, the, the commentators were, were opining and doing their thing, uh, heard a lot of people talk about the testimony in the trial this week, talking about the blue wall being torn down and the the blue wall being, you know, the fact that cops never speak out against cops, even when they're doing the wrong thing. It's that blue wall of silence that, that keeps everyone in line. And yeah, this is, this is a, a factor of government not working the way it's supposed to, but you know, some people say that we're seeing cracks in that. Now, I may be a cynic. Uh, wait, no, I I am a cynic. But I I don't I don't see the the police superiors testifying against Chauvin this week as cracks in the blue wall of silence. I see it as the blue wall sort of, you know, circling the wagons to paint Chauvin as that theoretical one bad apple. And that if you know, the, the higher ups in the Minneapolis police department and other experts can successfully testify that what he was doing, as opposed to what the defense said in their opening arguments 
was not allowed. It was not what he was trained to do. And it, you know, turns out uh, kneeling on people's necks, no matter what color they are, not not a good thing. And And even the police don't approve. But it seems to me that you're getting all these police experts testifying that, no, 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 Chauvin shouldn't have done that. He wasn't trained to do that. This is not police training. Is all being done with the goal of taking him out of the equation, but not doing anything that will result in fixing the systemic racism that is in the police department. You know, and especially when when you get the the police chief who's a black dude. And by all means, I I think we need more people of color, people who are representative of the communities that are being policed. We need more of them in these positions. But it and again, maybe maybe too much of a cynic here, but it strikes me as, you know, being something where the the people who are in favor of violent policing can say, well, it's not a race thing. Look, we got a black guy on our side who's saying this. Well, um, I think we're talking about two different things here because if the police are telling the truth on the stand, again, those really were not, that's really not what they're trying to do, then that's all they're doing is they're telling the truth on the stand. And it, it may be so that he is a bad apple. And there might be a lot of bad apples you know, and and so that's the other conversation is how do we weed out more of those bad apples? And that's where the training about systemic racism, doing something about that is going to come in. Um, but it sounds like, you know, from, from what you're saying about the testimony, the, the rules that are in place currently, in theory, if there's no such thing as all these unconscious biases, shouldn't be resulting in all these innocent black people dying. Um, but unfortunately, they haven't. <laughs> address the unconscious biases yet and they need to do that but that's a separate thing so i don't think that they're kind of conspiring deliberately to to round the wagon well no i wouldn't say conspiring i you know because negative connotations strategizing i would i would definitely lean towards that that the idea is and it's not like the the police and the witnesses have, have struck a deal with the prosecution to, to strategize in this direction. But I think, you know, it, it seems to me that it's kind of one of those things that the, the cops who are being called to testify realize, okay, we have a choice. And yeah, the Minneapolis police union, police unions are still the big part of the problem because they will defend cops no matter what, uh, rather than what is going to be better for the organization as a whole. And hey, maybe we do need to do something to get rid of these bad apples. And if we start moving in that direction, we're going to find out that a lot more of these apples are bad than we originally thought. Uh, I, I, I will say, you know, working in probation for over 30 years of I, like I have, we got in trouble because we did have bad apples. But what probation did, they took that one or two that we had and they blamed everybody. 
and they didn't listen to the staff because see when you're when you're a cop or if you're a probation the staff have the information because they're the ones sitting at the deal what do you what what tools do you need to make this work for you so they're saying to me like at my job they say hey Ty you can't put your hands on the kid okay but I need I believe that I need a form of martial arts like the police get you know they get martial arts Cobb McGraw whatever they call it to take someone down at my job we don't even have they don't we have pepper spray but they don't even want you to pepper spray the kid you know so we need tools outside of me structuring I got to know how to structure a minor I got to know how to uh, you know, keep them from hurting themselves all this stuff and then I got to also know how to protect myself you know from him attacking me and if I I often said that the reason why probation or police is bad management because they're not listening to their staff, you know, they're not, and then, you know, someone from the outside comes in, you got these, like for us, it's, it's the, uh, uh, child advocates, the child advocates come in and they say, Oh, well, you, you, uh, you know, you're doing this to junior, you're doing that to him, you're hurting this guy. And it's like, dude, you haven't had to sit, and deal with this kid's a, either a murderer or a rapist, a gangbanger. He's a, you know, he's armed robbery. This is not your normal kid. You know, no, we're not, I don't believe in just beating the crap out of him. But if he refuses to go down to his room or, you know, if he were, you know, or if they're gangbangers and they're trying to fight, you got to know how to deal with that. Yeah. And sometimes it, it, it gets ugly. Now it comes down to how do you write it? Because the parents are sitting back trying to sue you. And a lot of the people, so, you know, the police department, on one hand, like I said, I believe that they probably, like we were talking, defund is the wrong word, but I believe in in, their, in the situation that, no, Chauvin was not trained, you know, to do that. He wasn't trained to leave, leave your knee on someone's neck for nine and a half minutes. You're not trained to do that. You're, you're trained to, once you get the guy under control, cuffs are behind him, that's it. Okay? Well, I think, get him up and put him in. I think a big part of the problem is that neither side is willing to acknowledge the concerns of the other. And what that results in is, you know, like you were saying, uh, Timon, with your job in probation, is you've got on one side the parents who, you know, or, or the advocates. These these children are angels. They're they're clay to be molded for the future, and they can do no wrong. Well, then what are they doing in juvie? Well, maybe they did something wrong. And then on the other side, you know, you got the unions and the folks representing the police and and the guards who say our side is not capable of wrong. We are law enforcement. We, we enforce the laws. Now, how is, how is that breaking the law? And so neither side is willing to admit that, yeah, there are problems within. And for the police, that inability to acknowledge, you know, and I, and I understand, you know, the logic behind, you know, digging your heels in and, and saying, well, if we, if we give a little bit on this, then slippery slope, all of a sudden we're guilty of everything. 
And uh, you I, like you need both sides to be honest brokers. I know, and it's so annoying because people yeah. aren't honest brokers. And I was I was just in an Uber ride last week, and <laughs> I had a conversation with my Uber driver about how they use twenty three and Me or the the genealogy things to find the the murderers. And um, he goes, "That's so wrong that they're using that. That is a violation of privacy." Uh, and I said, what? Because the Golden State Killer killed like 40 people. It's very good that he but, was caught. But he didn't invade their privacy when he killed them. <laughs> <laughs> right. But th- this guy was in all his own sincerity thinking completely about the rights of the accused without thinking about all the potential future victims of people who we don't catch because we're erring too far in terms of caution about privacy. Yeah. And like I had to have this long conversation breaking down the math for him and going okay well statistically five percent of people who are sent to jail are wrongfully accused and wrongfully found guilty so there's one in 20 that means 19 of 20 were guilty of the crime and let's say of those 19 10 go free now that we're not doing genealogy now those 10 that go free if one of them kills again then you just offset all the good you did by saving the one guy who didn't go to jail. Right? Mm-hmm. We don't talk like that. We don't talk math. We don't talk statistics. Why? Because it's boring. I don't know why. No, but true. But if we spell it out like that, just let's look at the numbers. We see the solutions. So I think if, if we looked statistically, okay, so how many... Um, people at juvie, in, individuals incarcerated at juvie are actually violent or in the past year have had some kind of violent outbreak and tried to hurt the guards. Okay, this many. Okay, how many times has a guard gone past the limit? Okay, this many. Okay, whichever one, let's weigh it. That's the direction we need to go in. How uh, hard is it? To agree. Well, you know, I, I was going to say, Dave, speaking on that, we had a guy at my job who 10 minutes before it was time for him to get off of work, kid knocks on the door, he wants to use the bathroom. Instead of the guy letting him use the bathroom, he went in and restrained him in front of his partner, you know, slammed him around and then didn't do any paperwork. You come in 10 to 6, the kid's all battered and bruised, right? So they take the, they take the staff out of the building, put him under investigation for two weeks, then put him back in the building, and he did it again. And so, and I was saying, you know, this is the bad apple. Right. These oh. are the guys that we can't, you know, that that we need to get rid of these dudes because this one thing, if he'd have killed that kid, which we did have, we've had kids who've died from being in restraints and everything. Just, you just have to, you know, learn how to, a, a better way of controlling than just, you know, beating the crap out of them. You can't do right. it. Because they're going to sue you. I, I want to go in there as a statistician and just look at the average numbers. On average, how many kids die, you know, or or are, how many times does there have to be a violent confrontation, right? For us, that was the big thing. I mean, we had, we had restraint classes and and everything. But our, I mean, like my union fought for me. You do need, the unions are great for things. But when you see, when you got bad apples in the group, that's going to get everybody in trouble. That's why, you know, when that dude lost his job, I had no sympathy for him. Because, like, dude, that was stupid. You just can't. 
beat the crap out of the kid because you're having a bad day. I believe in the law of large numbers, which is that if I look at the career of every person in your role who's a staff at a facility like that, uh-huh. I would go, okay, on average, how many times is there a violent confrontation over the course of their career? I would look at that number and on look at it on a per year basis. And mm-hmm. then I would say, just statistically, if somebody goes outside of that average by a little bit more, I'm like, that's probably a bad apple. I'm going to watch that guy because right. because there's going to be a few of those confrontations they're going to happen that's the way to handle it i'm so surprised that they don't like why isn't math coming into play more often well remember remember the book freakonomics Mm -hmm. that's what they were doing remember they were doing the numbers and how they were busting everybody and uh, remember the 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 school teachers in atlanta they were telling us then they were saying okay you know if we could if you raise the kids uh uh what is it their grade level uh you know, we'll, you'll get a $25,000 bonus. And so what did the teachers do? Right. They, they started cheating. And so they, like you're saying, Kat, they did the numbers. And that's how they caught them. Because if, if you looked at it on the surface, you wouldn't find it. But when they started doing the numbers, boom, done. Yeah, you got to look at the long-term averages. Right. They were, they, uh, you know, and they had it broke down with whether you were a drug dealer or whether you were... You know, uh, uh, a sumo wrestler. They had, they did the numbers. But I, I think, in addition to the statistics, though, we need to be able to look at things on a case by case basis. Like use use the stats and the numbers to, you know, help formulate a a general practice of how to go about things. But recognize that there are going to be outliers. I, I I'm, I'm kind I'm, of reminded, I'm that, Dave. I think that management. From what I've seen in the 30 years of probation, they, 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 a lot of guys don't know how to manage. They mm-hmm. just don't. They think that, I mean, they don't know how to motivate their staff. I mean, for a while there, we were having staff just quitting. So what are they, when, when you don't come to work, or they probation believes in punishment. You know, so if the holiday comes up, anybody calling out, and they don't have a, a you know, if you call out for one day, you're going to get AWOP, which means I'm going to take a day from you. You're not going to get paid. Mm-hmm. Well, wait a minute. It, I thought you were supposed to be four or five days. No, you do one day. I say, so so you're 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 not helping the situation. You know, you, all you're doing is making up these rules to punish staff if they do something, and that doesn't motivate them to want to continue. And I think part of that. That management issue, you know, that is what has gotten a lot of law enforcement in trouble. They got a lot of, probably got a lot of bad managers. Yeah, well, it's I I think it's it's a lot of different little things. I'm I, it seems irrelevant, but but bear with me on this. I'm I'm reminded I had a when I was in college, I had a roommate who was from Texas, and he was telling me that in Texas, I guess in the late '80s, if you were under 21. You could go into a bar to buy ecstasy, which was generally being sold by bartenders. <laughs> and you know, you had to go in, buy your ecstasy, and get out because it's a bar. You're under 21. And the thing with ecstasy and other designer drugs of that sort is that when the state would figure out what was in it and they would pass a law making a drug consisting of this chemical formula illegal. The chemists would change the formula just enough 
<laughs> that it still had the same efficacy for the end user, but in terms of the law saying what was illegal, it changed the chemical composition of the drug enough that no, this doesn't fit under that. And so you can, you can buy and sell it openly because it's not an illegal drug. Well, that's where, where I think, um, the beauty of consultants and black box algorithms come in handy, right? So if we were going to have a statistician or some sort of a organization, let's say I was the consultant that looked at the long-term averages and things, I wouldn't put that out there. I wouldn't tell all the probation officers, hey, you're allowed three violent confrontations (laughs) per year. I'm not going to tell them that. I'm going to keep that to myself. I'm going to say the algorithm has highlighted this person as a high risk individual. And, and that's what that would mean. I would, I would keep it secret. Uh, it would be, you know, disclosed to like attorneys and judges maybe, and like kept under wraps. And maybe I would add in some extra shit just to confound, confuse the equation that I love. I love stats for that. Cause you can fool stupid people. Uh, <laughs> with things. Um, <laughs> But the numbers are there. It wouldn't, it wouldn't be something you would put in the bathroom on a piece of paper. Hey, just a reminder, you got one violent confrontation left for the quarter <laughs> to still get away with. <laughs> yeah. And also, they're going for us, they were dealing with the, the, the child advocates would come in. They would actually go and talk to another minor who was locked up in juvie to get his, uh, well, what do you think would be better for juvenile hall? Like, dude, why would I want to talk to a criminal? We already got you. You, you and then why were you? Because my first question is, well, why were you in juvie? Oh, I, I I was carjacking people, you know. And 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 how big was your file? Was it? Did it look like two or three volumes? I mean, they really. It's a stressful well, job. But, but shouldn't you really, shouldn't you talk to the repeat offenders because they've spent so much time in the system? <laughs> I know they, well, they should well, get a special card I, reserved. I, Still, I haven't been able to find the the quote, but uh, there's a there's a female comedian uh, who was quoted in a story uh, a couple of years ago. She had the joke. Well, I guess Bill Cosby can do rape jokes now because he's been there. And and it's the, the whole thing of like, yes, you've had the experience. But does that necessarily make you the right person to decide how this should be handled? When, and and Probation did well, and this, and and uh, also uh, the LA City Council. Well, one of the things that I think that we we didn't get a chance to talk about this uh, on the show last week, but it's been mulling about in my head, living there for the last week. So, want to get it out there, but not this past week, but the week before. Single guy in a car killed two Capitol police officers. And attacked them after the car, jumped out of the car with a knife, which, hey, I think a a great case uh, against uh, a wide availability of guns is, you know, could have been a lot more dangerous if he had a gun. Also, if Congress was in session at the time. But it it was one of those things. I, I was like waiting to see where things were going to fall because... Yes, you know, this guy did attack the Capitol, uh, but the the main difference between him and the the insurrectionists and rioters on January 6th 
aside from him being, you know, going in solo was that, uh, he's, he's a black dude. And I wondered if the Republicans were going to, you know, come out in, in favor of, you know, the fencing and the protections that have been put in place since before the sixth, but kept in place, like, you know, the fence, the, the concrete barricades, the perimeter, uh, because now, now they had a black guy to point to, but I think it was kind of like, you know, the way the NRA generally doesn't speak out after a mass shooting. It's like, well, you know, we could talk about how this is an outlier, but that would still just draw attention to the larger problem. So we're just going to keep our mouths shut. Like we can, for, for once we're going to give a black guy a break. (laughs) What's his last name? What's his name, Mohammed? He had petitioned the court to change his name because his uh, name was Noah Green. First, first thought was like, I it sounds like someone I went to summer camp with. Why, why would yeah. a Noah Green be attacking? Then turned out, oh no, it was a black guy, and he was a follower of of Farrakhan, uh, who wanted to change his name, but then didn't show up for the court date uh, for the name changing. So he he remained Noah Green. Wow. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a long way to go to get shot that day. What are you going to do today? I think I'm going to ram the Capitol, take out a couple of guys and, you know. But I just, I really, I thought it was interesting that, you know, oh, wow, here you have a black guy doing it. This is like definitely an outlier, right. definitely not associated with what happened on the 6th, mm-hmm. but you know, like we were talking earlier about messaging, it's like, oh, this is the one thing that that the Republicans can glom onto and say, oh no, not all the the people who attack the Capitol are white supremacists, just the politicians who encourage them to do it. Hey, now there's now there's a black guy attacking the Capitol. So missed opportunity for the Republicans. I don't know. And now uh, the majority of, of Republicans are saying that they think that <laughs> that the the stuff happening on the ca- on the sixth at the Capitol was a bunch of uh, hugs and nonviolence, and that the Antifa. only violent people were liberal Antifa. Even though the FBI has looked into it, all the authorities have looked into it. That was not the case. There was violence. People literally died. There is video evidence of them like hitting the Capitol officers with poles and signs and things. And they're so gullible. Oh, my gosh. But who'd have thought? Who'd have thought that a bunch of people willing to, I don't know, handle snakes, go give (laughs) pastors their money, even though the pastors are driving Mercedes Benz and flying in private jets. And God wants them to have a G6. (laughs) Right. They're willing to give every last dime to help cure their cancer instead of going to a doctor because Jesus is going to do it. Who knew that those folks would be would be gullible? Who uh, would have guessed? You know, well, and and who'd have thought that the confluence of the Republican Party and the evangelical Christians would result in the Republican Party, the RNC, and you know, obviously Trump's been a scam artist all all this time, but uh, would would result in in the Republicans taking the televangelist tack on on making money and scamming your followers. 
as as we saw with the the whole Winred scandal this week. Oh my gosh, the Winred scandal! Oh my, it was that is some crazy shit. I was seeing one just the other day. Let me pull it up real quick. I'm gonna read it to you. This is another Winred post. I, I my my friend told me it was real. I think it's real. It was from a Winred uh, URL. Okay, Trump from Trump campaign. Uh, this is pre-checked. We need to know we haven't lost you to the radical left. If you uncheck, uncheck in all caps, this box, we will have to tell Trump that you're a defector, all caps, defector, and sided with the Dems. Check, all caps, this box, and we can win back the House and get Trump to run in 2024. Make this a monthly recurring donation. The monthly recurring donation part is at the very bottom. In, in non-bold. Everything else is bold. Yeah, it would There's seem that one. that would be the place to put the checkbox is next to make this a recurring donation. Yeah, correct. And then there's a second one. Uh, the checkbox is again next to this bolded text that says the Dems have already reached their mid-month fundraising goal. If you want Trump to run for president, this is your last, caps last, chance to flip the house. Change your Trump victory fund status to active, all caps now. Remain inactive equals Republicans lose, period. Donate an additional $0 automatically on 415. I think that's because I, I, I put $0 in the, the right. thing. So I believe it, it doubles. It, yeah, your it would change. Yeah. It would change according to what I put in. And yeah, of course, the checkbox is near the rest of the stuff. It is not near the donate automatically, blah, blah, blah. Very predatory. Yeah, this is from a winred.com. So those were real. Yeah, those were absolutely. Real. And one of the things I think is interesting, there was another story this week about uh, a guy who formed a pack that and raised a shitload of money that, you know, aimed, he targeted uh, Trump fanatics and, and uh, other, you know, Q-type people and said in the mailings that, you know, money raised will be going to this pack. And he's being charged with fraud, uh, which I think is interesting because that's kind of what the PACs are are for. You know, Donald Trump started his own PAC to take money that normally people would have donated to the Republican Party and the Republican National Committee. And Trump said, no, 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 donate that to my PAC. And the way the PAC is set up, that money doesn't have to go into any campaigns. That's that's just a big old piggy bank for for I Trump. I want a pack. <laughs> I know. Well, that that's the thing that like this one independent guy started one, and he's being charged with fraud. And I think this is we need to figure out what the differences are between you know it's because he's not really misleading anybody if he says that all the money is going to my pack. He's not saying that it's going to Trump or the Republicans. It's it's basically like, you know, saying, oh, yeah, the world is a horrible place and and the government is doing horrible things and, and rights are being eroded. And and that's why you need to give me money so I can buy pudding. It's like, wait, what what is what is pudding have to do with any of the rest of it? Well, nothing. But. These are both true. These, the government is doing sort of horrible that, things, that and I want money. I want free pudding. So there must, be, 
some kind of a law that the, the PAC money has to go like towards a campaign or towards something political and not just, I'm going to buy myself a house. I'm going to buy myself some new fake boobs. Like, <laughs> I, you <laughs> know, honestly, I don't, I don't think so. I think, you know, be, unless it's like, well, if you've already been an office holder, then, then you can run this scam. But if you haven't, you can't run the scam. Uh, but I, I think, you know, it comes down to, if you're honest, you know, if, if I started to go fund me saying, I, I, I want money. People are dying of cancer every day. People are dying of, of, you know, gun violence. Uh, people are dying from bad and unsafe drivers. So give me money. Now it may imply that I'm going to take that money and use it to solve these problems. But if I don't explicitly say that, you know, it's, it's just a bunch you're, you're taking advantage of people who don't do the reading. Yeah. And I think, you know, if you look at the Republican playbook, when they aren't just flat out lying, they're, you know, sort of manipulating the facts. You know, Matt Gates last week, and this is when we segue into the Matt Gates portion of the show. Matt Gates last week said that he has not slept with a 17-year-old since he was 17. Well, it turns out the girl who's accusing him may have been 16 at the time of the alleged oh, sex. Yeah. So, not 17. You know, he didn't say, you know, that, that she wasn't a minor. He didn't say that she was underage. He just said that she isn't 17, which, you know, at the alleged time of the, the criming, she wasn't 17. She was 16, allegedly. So explain, explain the whole Matt Getz thing to me for listeners who aren't up to speed. So all I know is this. So he was paying for essentially 17 year old sex workers. Through Venmo. Right. So uh, basically, there, there's this guy, Josh. Uh, sorry, Joel Greenberg. <laughs> don't want to don't want to get Josh in any trouble here. Uh, Joel Greenberg, who uh, was your basic slimeball Florida Republican, which I know covers a lot of turf, but got in office and just immediately started abusing the office, running scams, taking people's identities you know if you uh change your residency you got to turn your your old id in so he was using those ids to create fake personas to commit crimes and uh turns out that he was tight with matt gates and i believe uh this guy uh joel greenberg was also the owner of orlandosugardaddies.com <laughs> and uh, was basically, you know, getting paying younger women, presumably of of age, but you know who's who's actually checking. Doesn't matter. We got fake IDs that we can hand out, and he was paying them for sex and other sexual type things. Matt Gates was paying him. So again. On, on a technicality, Matt Gates never paid an underage girl for sex. He just gave money to someone else who paid underage girls for sex that allegedly was happening with Matt Gates. And, you know, it, it was kind of one of those things that 
sort of flew under the radar because everybody already knew that Matt Gates was a slime ball, uh, you know, chasing underage tail, showing off pictures on the floor of the house uh, to, to his colleagues. And so it was like, it was one of those things that Republicans were fine with it because it meant that they had a, another seat in Congress. So as long as it was under the radar and it was helping them, they were fine buddying well, up to child molesters. Trump, so they're fine with everything, clearly. They're- yeah, pretty much. Well, uh, you know, they were fine with Trump until he lost, but still they see that he he holds a lot of influence and, you know, he has enthralled a, a large number of stupid people with deep pockets so therefore he is he is still of use. But I think, you know, you're you're seeing like this week the daughter-in-law of the CFO of of the Trump organization, Al, Alan Weisselberg, uh his his former daughter-in-law handed uh like seven boxes of documents over to uh the Manhattan DA's office. And I I think Ideally, you know, and I, I am sort of an optimist on this, but we are going to see that when the the criminal suits hit and if it actually does wind up taking Trump down, all these Republicans that have been bowing at the altar of Trump and, and praying to the golden statue at CPAC are going to find a conscience really quickly. And, you know, they're, I'm sure they are already trying to come up with their quote unquote plausible deniability strategies. 100%. Because, you know, they may not be smart, but they are crafty. Yep. That's what those Republicans do. Yeah. I think with the Republicans and with Matt Gates, they will tolerate him until he is no longer useful, at which point. He will, to to use the Trump terminology, instantly become a low-level coffee boy, who none of them ever really knew. And it's it's funny because if you if you read a lot of the stuff that's been coming out from his colleagues in Congress, there are a lot of Congress people on on the Republican side who have made it a point not to appear in places where there may be a photo op where they would be photographed with Matt Gates. Basically, like like I was saying, you know, just ramping up the plausible deniability before it's necessary. But they're just hedging. They're just hedging the risk because here's the thing. If Matt Gates continues to get elected as a Florida congressman, which he might because Florida mm-hmm. Then he might not actually be that politically toxic. And to be honest, a lot of those southern states have younger than seven. The the legal age is like sixteen for them. Um, and in some of those states, you can marry a child uh, as long as there's the parents. Uh, <laughs> the the parents say yes. So their ideals are different, and they might not see any of that anything that Matt Gates is doing as wrong, except for that he's cheating on his fiance. That's about it, which they obviously don't have a problem with cheating because yeah, they didn't have a problem with Trump. 
or anything, unless it's a Democrat cheating, in which case. See, but I, th- I think you, you raise an interesting point, though, is, you know, that I, I think a lot of these guys like Matt Gates, like Ted Cruz, like Marco Rubio, they want to be the next Trump, but they don't have that. And I, you know, I, I don't find him charismatic, but I'm not ignorant enough to say that nobody does. There are a lot of people who are oddly attracted to him, whether it's the money, whether it's the power, whether it's just the good marketing, they want a piece of that action. And I, I think a lot of them, you know, see that, yes, Trump is repugnant as a human being, which barely, uh, but they, they see that as they're in that, oh, well, if he can do it, I can do it. And they fail well, to understand that they don't have that charisma that he does. They aren't able to enthrall the masses like he does. So yeah, it's there, there is stuff that, I mean, I'm, I'm certainly not speaking out, uh, saying that Republicans, particularly political Republicans are any, you know, pillars of virtue. But what I will say is that there are some sins that these people were able to forgive when Trump did them that they may not be so forgiving when other people, even on their side of the aisle, do it. Yeah. And and I would say part of that is because Trump was a, in their eyes, successful businessman. Mm-hmm. He was somebody who was successful, could get things done, had a proven record of getting things done and also had supermodel wives to prove it and also is famous. And they are people who value fame. Trump was yeah. someone who was on TV, had his own show in a, a brand that's worth a lot and golf courses. Matt Gates has none of that shit he is just a politician but he's got a rich daddy who's pulled his ass out of the fire repeatedly over the years that's oh, yeah. that's got to that, count for something have a lot right of appeal to the yeah. every man well it's see but it it's weird because it's one of those things it's not what they themselves have but what they aspire to have it's it's why the republicans are able to consistently get poor white people to vote against their own interests because they're selling them the the dream that one of these days you are going to be rich and powerful like me. And so you should vote to preserve the rights of the rich and powerful over the masses because one of these days you're going to be rich and powerful like me. Meanwhile, like you got the infomercial subtext results not typical. But it's it's selling them the image. And so, yeah, you know, I mean, it, it does seem ridiculous, but there is a lot that they're willing to forgive because they see themselves as potentially being in that spot one day. Well, Boehner, Boehner said, you know, that's why when he was getting out, he saw this, what we what the, the Matt Gates of the world coming in. You know, and Bain, it's funny that he's uh, talking about that he, he saw because the, the Tea Party. 
Yeah, but you know, I mean, Boehner is is coming out trying to do a big redemption tour now. You know, with the release of his memoirs and the audiobook. And I, you know, I saw an article saying that he regrets uh, not standing up uh, against the impeachment of Bill Clinton, which too little, too late. The only thing that John Boehner has to say that I give a single rat's ass about would be P.S. Ted Cruz, go fuck yourself. (laughs) (laughs) That will not get old, but Really, like, aside from that, I don't give a shit what John Boehner has to say. It's it's too late, you know, unless you, you know, we're, we're talking here about the unexpected influence that certain Republicans have. And, you know, while Boehner did have a modicum of influence, he didn't use it for the greater good. Here's what I think. I think Boehner wants to run for president, and this is not having read his memoir, and his memoir might have a whole chapter on why he doesn't want to run for president. So (laughs) I could be wrong. But um, if Biden won and Biden's a moderate, they might be the Republican Party going to Boehner like, hey, we think that there is room for a moderate candidate here to to run in the primaries in 2024. He is clean of all the Trump stink because he left and they want to get away from the Trump stink. And Banner is cool because he likes weed. And, <laughs> and <laughs> He doesn't and like weed. He likes man. investing in weed. <laughs> he likes investing in weed. Um, There's a difference. I, I think that if Boehner ran in 2024, he could get a lot of those middle-of-the-road suburbanites who used to vote Republican to vote Republican again and beat a Democrat. Honestly, this isn't the worst thing in the world because he's um, a moderate. I don't think every single Republican who's ever been president is horrible. Obviously, Abraham Lincoln. The other one who I want to cite is Richard Nixon, who I know I know about Watergate. But Watergate pales in comparison to anything Trump ever did. (laughs) Nixon was just a paranoid kind of an asshole. But he opened up China and also started the EPA. Those are two very good things. And there you go. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I I agree with you on you know, how, how good the EPA is and the fact that ping pong diplomacy did open up China in a way that it hadn't. But I think when you look at the big picture, it is Watergate. It is the paranoia. It is the taping, the, the just basically, you know, all the, the corruption, the cancer on the presidency that he is rightly known for. Yes, the EPA, despite Republican intentions and actions since its creation, it is still able to do some good. We do need it. Uh, and and not in the watered down sense that it, you know, was starting to become under Trump. Yes, international diplomacy. Also, great. But there's a reason Hitler is not known for his paintings. And there's a reason that Richard Nixon is not known for the EPA. <laughs> Uh, Fair I, point. I, I also I mean, want to remind myself of uh, of that whole thing where he made the he made the Vietnam War last longer so that he could win. The, yeah, there's the, you know, American there's lies. that. So there's that little that little uh, you know thing. little thing. Uh, it it ain't all cloth coats and checkers when it comes no to Nixon. Affair. 
The Shinoda uh, Fair is what it's called. My my stepdad's a huge history buff, so he taught me all about that. Um, by the way, what uh, I'm getting at is that maybe John Boehner would be a decent candidate and moderate who people could get behind. See, I this is I I think it it'll be interesting to see what happens next year in the midterms as it pertains to the election in 2024. But I think the Republicans as a party are becoming so divided that there is no such thing as a good Republican candidate from, from their perspective. I mean, it should be clear from, you know, the, the years we've been doing this show from my perspective, there is no such good thing as a good Republican candidate, but I think the, the Republicans have like swung so far into the, the fascist wing, which, you know, there was always an element of that and the anti-Trumpers that there is not going to be a single candidate who can appeal to both ends of the party. Well, that's where Boehner comes in because he was like, look, I'm not going to be an anti-Trumper. I'm also not going to be a Trumper. I'm just going to peace out for but, a while. Well, but he, I mean, he is. And if you, you know, you look at the the press coverage of his memoirs, he is an anti-Trumper. Uh, oh, you you know, right. and yeah, no, I mean, that's, you know, that's the thing. And that's where we get like that wonderful quote, P.S. Ted Cruz, go fuck yourself. But if you listen, even just to the, the rest of that clip, uh, which uh, was released and, and uh, promoted by uh, Mother Jones magazine, but you listen to that clip and dude sounds fucking loaded. I mean, he's talking, he's slurring. It reminds me of back when Harry Carey was alive and calling Cubs games. It is amazing. It's a beautiful day at Wrigley Field. And yeah, so I mean. What if he ran as a Democrat, like to replace Biden? Because the moderate. Yeah, that that wouldn't happen. There's no (laughs) way he would get the nomination. And even though. I, I think there are a lot of Democrats who have disavowed Bill Clinton as an individual. They will not disavow his presidency and the good things that the Democrats were able to do. So I, I think just the fact that while this may appeal to certain fringe members of the ultra left who think that, you know, oh, well, the Clintons are just corporatists. I, I don't think uh, Boehner's years of opposing Clinton, opposing the, the Clinton agenda are going to win him any friends on, on the Democratic side of the aisle. Probably, yeah. So, but we'll worry about 2024 when 2024 happens. We'll worry about the midterms as they come. We, we've got criminal trials coming up potentially. There are definitely investigations and, and Lordy, there are receipts. So the the criminal history of, of the Republican Party as we know it is still an evolving multi-headed beast. So at this point, I am not making any calls for the midterms, definitely not making any calls for 2024, but it is a beautiful day in Los Angeles. So the one call that I will make is the call that we should stop talking about this stuff and get out there and enjoy the day. So with that, 
I do want to thank you guys for for joining me for this this time of of spewing, opining, and cracking wise. And I love doing it. Love doing it with you guys. Couldn't do it without you. So, Cat Alvarado, thank you so much for being here with us today. Should you so desire, where can people catch up with you and what you've got going on online or in person in the coming days, weeks, and months? At the Cat Alvarado on Twitter and Instagram. That's C A T A L V A R A D O. And I'm doing comedy in Spanish. So, if you want to check that out, bueno. um, follow me on Instagram. Check out my stories. That's where I post all my shows. So every Tuesday between now and mid-May, I'm going to be doing sets in Spanish. Right so. on. And uh, you are you are on your way to your second vaccination. So should not be long before you are, if you're so willing, uh, able to come back to Treasonable Studios to do these yes. things in person. So very stoked on that. And thanks for being with us. And Villains of History, uh, there are plenty of new candidates in the making for new episodes. So so many, yes. Looking forward to, to checking those out. Thanks again for being with us, Kat. Thank looking you. Looking forward to the next time. Mr. Time and Ship, always a pleasure to have oh, you with God. us. Should you so desire, where can people catch up with you and what you've got going on online or in person in the coming days, weeks, and months? Uh, well, uh, you can give me a time and ship at wibbly.com. That's my new website. Um, time and ship at Instagram, time and ship at Twitter, time and ship at Facebook, and I'm on LinkedIn. And you can get my book, uh, My St. Louis, at um, Amazon.com. As well as you can get my comedy CD, Universal Brother, on CD Baby or Spotify and iTunes. Excellent. Well, definitely check those out if you haven't already. Me, I'm Dr. David Robinson. You can find me on the socials on Facebook, Dr.David.Robinson or something thereabouts. And on the Twitter, I am at Stand Up fall down if you've made it this far into the show you probably already know but it bears repeating that we are on the socials all spelled out let's be treasonable on the facebook and on twitter we are at l-e-t-s-b-t-r-e-a-s-o-n-a-b-l we take off the e's and pass the savings on to you the listener speaking of you the listener want to thank you for listening if you liked what you heard Tell everyone you know, rate and review us on the platforms where you're listening and even on the platforms where you're not, if you are so inclined. If you didn't like what you heard, well, not sure why you stuck around, but thanks for doing that. Make you a deal. You don't tell anyone. We won't tell anyone. Everybody's happy. We will be back next week in one form or another. Hopefully you will too. Until then, goodbye. Bye.